The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, sanctions against Russia are piling up. But how much effect will they really have? Our own Steve Leisman, who used to be Moscow bureau chief for The Wall Street Journal. Putin doesn't seem to care. It's not a question of whether or not he can withstand the opposition. It's a question of how long he'll ignore it. And America's corporate response to Russian aggression with Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky. We reached out to governments in Poland and Germany and um, Hungary and Romania. We're prepared to house up to 100,000 refugees. And frankly, we can house as many refugees we have hosts. Plus, we're bringing you a break from the war coverage with an American legend, a champion, an investor. Serena Williams. The venture capital ecosystem really needs, you know, an inclusive player and a player with a platform, you know, to make the necessary intact change at scale. It's Tuesday, March 1st, 2022, and Squawk Pod begins right now. First up on our podcast today, the latest in Russia's invasion of Ukraine with our anchors Joe Kernan, Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. Satellite imagery showing a large convoy about 40 minutes long uh, of uh, Russian military vehicles. It's headed towards Ukraine's capital. Analysts say it suggests that Russia is preparing to launch a full-scale assault on the capital, fighting also intensifying Ukraine's second largest city, uh, with Russian with Russia's launching a series of rocket attacks. Residents there reporting they are under constant assault from the air. The city's mayor saying that Russian missiles have also struck a city administration building. So. Um, and then you see Bill Ackman. Did you see Bill Ackman Bizarre. out there? Bizarre. He's out there on Twitter saying that we should be. He's so much more than a, like a hedge fund. We should be out there So fighting. much more than a hedge fund guy. You know, starting the equivalent He's a medical of a, expert. A war at all right. Medical expert, strategist for, for global geopolitical tension. I mean, he's wacko. We don't care. Bill, I know you got a lot of money, but you don't need to. We're not putting you. You're not secretary of state or defense. I, I, I wasn't trying to take the conversation there. I was just here's, say, here's the but, thing. No, but there's increasingly a lot of people, smart people. They may not be. I've seen it. But uh, Richard Engel. Richard Engel. Richard Engel saying, in what world do we allow innocents to be slaughtered in, in, in a convoy? Then there's the, please protect our airspace. Let's close down the airspace. Do you know what happens if we, if NATO and the United yes. States goes over and, and, and we're to have a some type of, of conflict with a, with a Russian MiG, and we That's shot it down. That's how it all and begins. With I mean, it's already, really frightening. At yes. the same time, it is heartbreaking to see these it videos is. and pictures schools. that are coming out. Civilians, it's crazy. He's, he's this whack. is a, a democratically nuts. elected government it, in an independent nation. There should, ne- I would never, ever use a comparison to anything that happened in World War II or any of the leaders in World War II. You know who I'm talking about? But if this guy is closer to... That guy that's Voldemort that shall not be named. But we haven't seen aggressive action like right. this on the world stage since something like that. That's the only thing that I, I was going to say Mussolini or something, because I, I, I don't want to use the H word because I would never use that. But this is like nuts. I, but I've been looking forward to getting to this next guy here who I will use his name, uh, Steve Leeson. We're not using him. 
Anyway, Russia is feeling the weight of Western sanctions on its economy. Uh, lines at ATMs stretch down sidewalks around buildings in Moscow as depositors wrestle with draw cash. The ruble has fallen around 20% versus the dollar in the last week. It hit an all-time low yesterday. Here's what I'm referring to. I don't know anyone else who lived in Moscow for years and years who we can tap for just their overall expertise about the Fed, but also, Steve, you, you know about Russia. You're the only person I know that, that has spent years and years living there. You're our senior economics reporter. You're going to talk about this. And, and then I want to talk about this piece in the journal today, Steve, because it, it was depressing to me. And that is that we can do a lot with the banks, but they've done a lot in terms of being, becoming more domestic, not uh, importing as much stuff. And they're, they're an exporter of commodities. So as long as they got $100 a barrel oil, we can't hurt them as much as we'd like to. Right. It, that, that's you know, what bad. do you do, Joe? You read my you read you read my scripts no, and that's it. you give I, away I, the story, Joe. That's was, oh, a, you're okay. very smart. Sorry. No, I didn't look at it, but I know. Uh, but I do know you speak some I, Russian. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to tell you that uh, this what I'm about to read you comes from my experience here. Let's start off with okay. the sweeping sanctions. They're hitting almost every stratus of society. The ruble, Joe told you, it's devalued. Aeroflot's canceled all its flights. Europe and MasterCard and Visa, sorry, uh, to Europe, and Visa and MasterCard have announced this morning they're blocking several Russian institutions from their network. The sanctions mean that imported goods and the trappings of Western life, to which many Russians have become accustomed, they're either going to be far more expensive or, in some cases, unavailable. But this is what I wanted to stress here. It's a long way from these intense sanctions to ending the war. Let's talk about what Joe was referring to. There are holes in the sanctions. Russia continues to earn dollars through energy sales, $100 a barrel. The Russian central bank could have access to some of its foreign reserves, even though a lot of it's blocked off, maybe through China, maybe through the Bank of International Settlements. And here's a key here. Ordinary Russians, when they buy Russian goods, they're going to feel little impact from this. No change, for example, in the cost of buying a domestic loaf of bread. Now, uh, Second, Russians have endured ruble devaluations worse than what's happened so far. And these are just in the past several years. Ruble devalued by 32% in the great financial crisis, never recovered. Fell by 45% against the dollar with sanctions after it took over Crimea. It declined by 18% with the pandemic. And now, with some strengthening of the ruble this morning, it's off by 22% since the beginning of the Ukraine invasion. Russians have been there before. These historic sanctions are going to hit a country where its people historically are used to immense suffering and its leaders historically don't care. I talked to Tom Graham. He's a distinguished fellow at the Council of Foreign Relations. He was at the State Department in Russia, when I, in Moscow when I was there. He tells me this is a population that could suffer through a lot and survive. And they don't have the same expectation of their leadership as people do in the U.S. and Western Europe. Combine that with a brutal Putin regime, suppresses opposition, jails its opponents, Sanctions that make Russian people suffer economically only go so far in changing the course of the war. Question is whether, and I hate to say this, the combination of dead Russian soldiers and an unhappy elite or military can force change. Little history of any of that happening in recent Russia. Joe? I, I, one of my favorite authors, Dostoevsky, um, I, I, it, it just sort of has a depressing feeling. I always think of it as being gray. I think people... Don't have a lot. You know, this is my own preconceived notions of Russia, but I think it's not completely wrong. It's kind of 
there's an unhappy feeling towards a lot of what, in a, in a much harder life than what we're used to, I think, in the United States. Um, Steve, they, they also have their own SWIFT system, too, so we can't just completely SWIFT's not yeah. cutting that off isn't going to work either. And I, 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 think, I think the, the Russians are overplaying that a little it, bit. It's not less than we're feeling, is it? I mean, are we paying more for our bread than they're paying? Is, is there less inflation over there than, than we're experiencing here? No, there's more inflation. Yeah. There's more right. inflation over there. But the but Russians are like, you know, tell me something. <laughs> Get, t- tell me something worse. You know, when I was there, you'd go to you go to work in the morning, and a Snickers would be one price. You'd come home in the afternoon; it would be another price. Um, uh, the, the issue is this: is how much of all this has permeated into Russian life? And there are places where it stops. You get outside of the major cities, and they're not living on and relying on and enjoying some of that Western stuff. Yes, the elite do travel, and they've been able to travel, and that's going away. But again, you get down into into the rank and file of, of Russian society, and they're not traveling abroad. It's a very poor country, Joe. You know, they're 11th largest country, but I think you got to go down to 40th or so below American Samoa when you look at GDP per capita. Uh, they they their elite have taken most of it. And look, uh, I don't know how to say this in a better way, but the leadership of Russia has been um, what's the word I'm looking for? Denigrating, otherwise not caring. There's a there's a, 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 a an expletive I want to use on its people for millennia, and it's not going to stop now. It's it just Putin doesn't seem to care. It's not a question of whether or not he can withstand the opposition. It's a question of how long he'll ignore it. Now we're back to the, the, the sad state of affairs that we could not do a, um, we can't boycott Russian oil. We can't. And, and that's where all that, no. that's, that's, that's the gravy train that, that he's able but to Joe, fund everything with. And we're not really in a position to say, okay, we're not going to buy any oil. The world. But here's the thing. Even if, you, even if you were and you took 10% of, 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 of uh, you took the 10 million barrels a day of Russian oil off, he would get it out some way. And so the possibility yeah. if you end up trying to boycott Russian energy, like the Iran- Iranians got it out, right? right? Even though, you know, that was a smaller country. And, and so what you'd have end up doing, somebody said they could they could uh, produce half the oil and make twice as much if you, if, if you don't do that at, at any price. hundred dollars a barrel. Right. It really does make a big difference for, for, for what, what they were making right. before. Right. What do you think Exxon? What do you think Exxon should do? That, that's the question I've been kind of wondering, too. David Faber was making the point yesterday they don't have as big of an investment in Russia, but I don't think that matters. If, if you have I mean, an you saw there, B- you step BP stepped that? away. They, have a, they effectively have so an investment saying in connection with Rosnoft. I mean, Rosnoft right. and them are effectively yeah. in a joint venture with, with a number of other investors. I mean, I, mean, I think it was pretty what's problematic interesting about BP, all that. but I, I do think the questions are going to swing to what about the other oil companies. Right. What's that, Steve? I was just going to say, what's interesting about all that, who's going to buy it, you know? I'm not sure it, it benefits anybody, but basically what they do is um, what's happened now, and, and this is a little bit unnoticed, is sort of a quasi-nationalization, right? So um, uh, they passed a law yesterday, I think it was the central bank, that said uh, Russians cannot buy the foreign ownership of Russian assets. Now, that sounds a little convoluted, but that is effectively a nationalization because you cannot, if you're a foreigner and you own a piece of a Russian company, a Russian will not buy that from you. Now, BP can sell it to another foreign entity or Exxon can, but, well, there you go. So therefore, it's not for sale. So therefore, if they go to sell it, they're going to give it back for peanuts. It's almost like benefiting the Russians by that. I mean, anything, 
and the world is, it's like pushing back on everything. He's no longer, Putin's no longer the, the symbolic head of the judo, World Judo Federation, and no sporting FIFA, events are going to go, yeah, no FIFA, no sporting NHL events. NHL said that they will not be looking Switzerland. Switzerland can't, we can no longer use Switzerland as, you can no longer say I'm Switzerland yeah. because Switzerland is now taking a Russia's, side. Russia's, Sweden. Russia's cared, Joe, about how they were seen in the world. And, and I do think some of this stuff with, for example, I know you're, you're joking about it. It's kind of funny about the judo thing, but the soccer thing or the football thing, as they call it over there, that could matter a lot. That gets to ordinary Russians. You know, right. you may be, you know, in some village outside of uh, a major city, but you watch soccer. Also, the other thing that they care a bit about the level of the ruble, it's something that kind of, it, it's part of their national pride, or it was when I was there anyway. And as they saw it decline, it undermined their national pride. I just don't see how you get from domestic dissatisfaction to Putin regime change. And I, I'm not even sure that's the purpose of the sanctions, but I'm just, my point this morning is it's a very, very long, difficult road. All right, Steve, uh, thanks. What, what did you say earlier in Russian? I said I, I said I speak Russian. Oh, that's what you said. You said you speak Russian. Yeah, that's what I said. We probably should point that out with, so people don't think you. You know, what I always kid about with you, that you sort of are a plant. Well, uh, you're like from no way my, out. My kids, my... You're the Yuri of financial news. They, my, my kids thought they grew up in, 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 the, sit, in, the, in the drama of the Americans. That's what they thought. Because yeah, when, when, when exactly. we wanted... When my wife and I wanted no them not out, to understand us, we spoke Russian. Yeah. Exactly. The, yeah. That's what they thought. Carrie, what's her face? They Carrie still Russell. think that. It's a great show. Exactly. Next on Squawk Pod, we're offering you a little break from our Ukraine coverage. And who better to brighten the podcast than tennis champion Serena Williams? She's found just as much success off the court as she has on, investing in Masterclass, Tonal, Coin Tracker, and plenty of others. You have to really think outside the box when you're into VC. And for us, we have a good um, kind of lead into going into that journey of cryptocurrency as well as uh, Web3. A wide-ranging interview with Serena right after this. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. You're watching Squawk Box, and we're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin, along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Tennis champion Serena Williams' venture fund raising its first outside capital. Uh, Serena Ventures raising $111 million uh, this after nine years of investing in pre-seed and Series A rounds. 
from his back 13 unicorns and already had six ex exits. Investments include Cointracker, Masterclass, Tonal, and Daily Harvest. Joining us right now in an exclusive interview is Serena Williams, Serena Ventures founding and managing partner. Also, Allison Stillman's here, Serena Ventures general partner. Good morning to both of you. Uh, we'll talk crypto in just a moment, uh, but um, wanted to first congratulate you on this, this, this new deal. Obviously, there's a lot of other news going on in the world, uh, but um, in your world, this is a very big deal. What kind of investments are you looking to make, Serena? Yeah, there is a lot of things going on in the world right now. And um, yeah, so quite frankly, the reason I started Serena Ventures is because I feel like, you know, the venture capital ecosystem really needs, you know, an inclusive player and a player with a platform, you know, to make the necessary intact change at scale. Um, and so we have that opportunity here. So we're all we're looking at fintech. Uh, we're looking at marketplaces as well and femtech and i like to use you know my brand and serena to reach that need and to to fill that that um that void that the market has allison when you when you put this fund together and you start to think of this the kinds of things you're looking to buy and also the impact that you think you can have on a company and a deal in a way that perhaps other investors can't yeah for us it's a lot about how can we leverage the brand that Serena has built over the last 20 years, the networks that we have to make one plus one equal four for these companies? So it's connections to companies that Serena has been partners with for 20 plus years. It's our talent networks, which are going to inherently look different than most other venture capitalists since our team is mostly women. We come from non-traditional backgrounds, really refreshing what it means to be in venture and to, and to be a partner to these firms. Hey, Serena, what, what do you think of the marketplace right now? We were talking about crypto earlier, partially because I don't know if you've been watching, but in the past 24 hours, Bitcoin's made a huge move. Uh, yeah. In part, it appears as a function of what's happening in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not surprising to see that um, happening because um, it's it's a way for investment. It's investment in the future, and it feels a little bit more safe right now with everything you know that's going on in the markets. So to have something in the cryptocurrency space, and um, it, it just seems like a safer bet right now. So definitely not surprising for us to see Bitcoin and other uh, cryptocurrency uh, just kind of leaping up and doing well. And you, you but let's discuss crypto because you were early with crypto. You and, and, and your husband together. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I saw the market a little bit earlier in crypto. Um, and for me, it was really just about you have to really think outside of the box when you're into VC and especially in things that we invest in in terms of like technology and things of that nature. So um, seeing some of that, I wanted to kind of get dig my feet in a little bit. Um, I didn't dig it in as much as I, you know, looking in the past would have wanted to now, um, but it was good. So for us, we have a good um, kind of lead into going into that journey of cryptocurrency as well as uh, Web3 is what a lot of people are saying now and using and how we want to um, try to get into that space over at Serena Ventures. By the way, I, and I didn't ask this to you before, have you, do you invest at all with your husband? We should say your husband's Alexis Sohanian, who's been on our broadcast a whole bunch of times. Yes. You know, it's so interesting. We met when we met, we one of our first conversations was investing because I've inve been investing for over nine years now. And um, we try to keep business separate. You know, obviously, there are things that come up where we talk about business at home, but we try to keep our, our, our businesses as um, as separate as they can be. Uh, but it's uh, it's always great to have someone like Alexis Ohanian in your house. And when you do have any question to kind of um, just bounce any ideas off of him. Does that mean you're hanging out on Reddit or not really? 
<laughs> yeah, well, he's doing so much in the in the VC space right now that it just seems like, you know, his his time with Reddit seems to be a little bit less. Allison, how how do you balance all this in terms of managing managing this business with Serena? She's obviously oftentimes on the tennis court. So when does this all happen? What's what's the, what's it? How's it how's it work? Yeah, we uh, we take advantage of time zones. So I'm out here in the Bay and Serena's in Florida. So most of the time, by the time I wake up, she's been on the court, she's been practicing, and she's probably in physical therapy around our 9 a.m. calls. So I kind of joke that her her physical therapist, Derek, is an honorary member of Serena Ventures because sometimes he'll opine that that seems like a high valuation since uh, we kind of hit the ground running with work as soon as she's off the court. But we've been managing this together for four and a half years. She's texting me walking off the court at Wimbledon sometimes, but also no when she needs to focus. Um, and so we've done a really good job balancing together over the last four years. And how, how much of the investment thesis is around sport or about you know, health and wellness? So health and wellness is something we care a lot about. Serena mentioned femtech is important to us, making sure there's health equity racially and gender wise. So we spend a lot of time in that space. Also mental health is an area that we're really digging into right now. So thinking about how can we help support different uh, entrepreneurs trying to rethink what the wellness space looks like to be more inclusive of everyone and everyone's changing needs. Hey, Serena, do you, do you have a mentor in all this or, or somebody that you look up to actually that's been in the sports arena that's transitioned into the investment or business world? Um, I have taken a mentor as well. Actually, they're in the investment world already, and they've been there for several, several years. They did have a different career going into that. And so I've been looking at, at them and saying, listen, this is such a good way that you have been able to to kind of pivot from what you used to do into what you're doing now. And now he's a partner at a large firm um, and co-founder, actually. So um, for me, um, just kind of picking his brain and saying, like, what what do we think about this or how can I impact founders? Because at the end of the day, we want our founders to really be performing at the best that they can, because um, that's how we make the biggest impact in making sure that their company right. and our company can succeed. And so, um, so yeah, I, I love bouncing those ideas off. They're not particular from the sports background, but um, yeah, maybe that'll be me for the next person. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Definitely. if we were talking about it. Joe, were we talking about this on air or off air? About Will Smith. Off, off, off air. air. So I got to ask you, did, I assume you saw that. You, did, you, did you love the movie as much as we all did? Yeah, it, it was such an amazing movie. And we were part of the process. And we wanted to make sure that the true story was told about my, my father. And um, Will Smith did such an incredible job. And um, we couldn't feel more honored than to have him play that role and to, to just own it and to love it. And um, now it's it's just been it's been so great to have something nominated so many times for the Oscars just to be forever part of our lives. Serena and Allison, want to thank you. We wish you a lot of luck. We want to follow your progress. Come on back. Hope, hopefully, we'll see you in person soon. Yes, we love that. For having us. Thanks. Coming up next on Squawk Pod, we return to Eastern Europe. Western companies respond to Russian aggression in Ukraine, Disney, Netflix, Airbnb, and more. All good news from across corporate America. Their efforts to hold Russia accountable and to support Ukrainian refugees right after this.
At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. This is Becky's mic. Three, two, one. Up on Becky. Here's Becky. Let's take a look at some of the action companies are taking against Russia. Disney, Warner Brothers, and Sony are all halting theatrical film releases there. According to Comscore, Russia accounts for about 3% of all global ticket sales. Netflix says that it will not comply with Russian rules to carry government news channels. This decision comes as a wave of Russian state-backed news broadcasts have been spreading propaganda justifying the war. Energy giant Shell said that it would pull back from joint projects in Russia and quit its role in financing the now-halted Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. That comes a day after BP said that it would exit its nearly 20% stake in Russian oil producer Rosneft. In the meantime, Ukraine's digital minister tweeted this photo of SpaceX's Starlink satellite internet dishes that arrived in the country yesterday. He said, Starlink here, thanks Elon Musk. Those dishes arrived less than 48 hours after Elon Musk announced the company would send support. Each kit includes a user terminal to connect SpaceX's satellites, a mounting tripod, and a Wi-Fi router. So, all good news from across corporate America. Yep. More than half a million refugees have fled Ukraine since the Russian invasion. On Monday, Airbnb announcing it's offering free temporary housing for up to 100,000 refugees. The company building upon that program that it launched following the crisis in Afghanistan. In an interview last night, I asked Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky about how this all came together. When this crisis unfolded and we started realizing last Thursday or Friday that there were going to be presumably hundreds of thousands of displaced people, we went into action. And really over the weekend, it was 24 hours working around the clock with a huge group of people to be able to mobilize. We reached out to governments in Poland and Germany and um, Hungary and Romania and countries even west of them to offer assistance. We've been reaching out to our hosts. We've secured funding, and so we're prepared to house up to 100,000 refugees. And frankly, we can house as many refugees we have host. And so when you say you've secured funding, how much does this cost? It's hard to know. Um, I mean, I've put in millions of dollars into this initiative. I also personally put in millions of dollars as a donor of Um, Airbnb.org. Other donors have. It's a little unclear because we don't know how many people we're going to house. We're going to house as many as possible. But also, hosts have an option to host for free at a discount or full price. So where we pay money is when it's discounted or full price. Obviously, we won't pay anything if it's a free stay, and we'd love as many free stays as possible, but not everyone can do that. So it's just not possible, but you know, it will be a substantial investment. 
it is going to be very hard for Russian hosts to get paid, given a lot of the restrictions on money that are being occurred on banks locally. Obviously, we have to pay and remit hosts. So I think effectively, a lot of the um, limitations are already on our local community there. But I've been really focused the last few days on providing housing for refugees. That's where I'm focused on right now. And we'll kind of see how the situation plays out. You mentioned payments, and it's an important question. Have you thought through the implications of, for example, um, putting limits on or the fact that banks are going to put limits on the SWIFT system, how you make those payments currently? Are people thinking about using other payment systems and the like? Yeah, I mean, we're thinking about like a range of contingencies. So, I mean, we have a payments team that's handled $330 billion dollars. Um, through our platform in the last dozen years alone. So we've worked on, a, we have a lot of contingencies. It's just, we're only, you know, days into this crisis. So it's hard to know how it's going to play out right now. We're starting to see uh, some people try to take payment in crypto in Ukraine as a result of this. Does Airbnb support crypto? Well, Airbnb is, I mean, I, I am personally supportive of the idea of crypto, of course. Um, I think it's a really interesting technology. Um, I went on Twitter in the beginning of the year and I asked a community on Twitter, like, if Airbnb can launch anything in 2022, what would it be? The number one response was add crypto payments. So I have a team looking into that. We don't have anything to announce, but we are absolutely looking into this. And specific to this crisis, you know, um, I don't, you know, nothing's going to be able to be implemented probably that quickly. So um, right now, what we're really focused on is providing housing for refugees. That's what I've mobilized the team to do. A nice leadership role to actually do something to help these people at a serious time of need. And a lot of the hosts are doing it for free, which is pretty, pretty cool. It's good to see corporate America stressed. I like Starlink. Boom. Over there, within 24 hours. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for joining us. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.